minute. But everybody, lift up your Bible and make this as a confession. Say this out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession that I will meditate in it both day and night on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. And because I do, my life is blessed. It is no more a mess. And now everything I touch, everything I touch, it turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we prepare our hearts to receive a word from you, we ask that you'll give us ears to hear and hearts that are open and receptive. All of us agree together concerning as touching this service, asking you for revelation knowledge to flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. And as also, Father, we covenant to give you and you only all of the glory, the honor, and the praise for what will be done in our lives and in the lives of those that are watching. In Jesus' name, all that agree with our prayers said, amen, amen. Turn around, find three people, and say hello, and God bless you, and then you may be seated. Everybody find three people. Hello, and God bless you, and you may be seated. Open with me, and you would, if you would, to the book of Mark chapter 11. I'm going to begin again in verse 22. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 26. If you don't have it, it is on the projector or the screens. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For verily or assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but those but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I want to continue on the subject of having faith in God. Have faith in God. This is part six. So it's a series that we've been on for about a month been on and off. I've been out of town, went to Guyana and preached down there in South America. And then, of course, a couple of weeks ago, I was in San Antonio preaching at a faith conference, a faith of fire conference with Pastor uh, Pearson, the word of faith in San Antonio. And of course, two weeks ago, um, I shared a message that I want to con- continue today. I'm going to call it part two. What happens when God speaks? But obviously, in this series, it is what I believe is one of the greatest messages Jesus ever ministered. 
And I don't just see it as something that applied to the disciples in that day when he stood and said, have faith in God. I believe it's like getting a text message from Jesus today. I don't know each and every one of you individually and what you're facing. There may be some real significant challenge, some real problem that you're up against. Maybe you've been hurting. Maybe you've been believing God for a long time. But at the same time, even though I don't know you or what you're facing, I believe I have a word from God for you. It's four words. It's this text. Have faith in God. And so that alone makes this message, this entire study on the subject of faith, extremely important. Because essentially you don't have any problem. All you need is faith in God. Think about it. If faith can move a mountain, then what is this thing that's in front of you? If Literally, if, if faith, by speaking to a mountain and commanding it to move, not doubting in your heart, but believing that what you said will come to pass, then all you have to do is have faith in God and speak to the mountain that's facing you, that insurpassable you know, obstacle, that challenge, that thing that seems impossible. You know, if I were to stand at the foot of a mountain, in my mind, it would seem impossible for a mountain ever to just be moved with words like that and cast into the ocean. Yet, interestingly, it was, a, it was words that actually created the mountain. Come on, somebody, think about it. Even though naturally it looks impossible that you could speak to a physical mountain and command it to move, but the mountain exists because of the words of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he did that by faith. So I thank you for allowing me to take my time to teach on the subject of faith. Uh, We're a faith church. It's one of our primary points of ministry. And so we're continuing in that regard. The question today, as it was two weeks ago, is what happens when God speaks? I remember as a child, there was a TV commercial as a financial. It was kind of like, you know, Merle Lynch, you know, a famous financial person, E.F. Hutton, back in the day. And the thing of the commercial was, when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. John McEnroe could be playing tennis, right? But if he speaks up from the audience, everybody will lean in carefully and everything will come to a screeching halt because when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. But what happens when God talks? How many of y'all know everybody should listen? (laughs) We got billboards all over the city that say God listens. It's advertising for a Christian radio uh, here in the Houston area. Uh, But yeah, God does listen. But what happens when he talks? Everybody listens, but that's not necessarily the case. Faith in God, having faith in God. We looked at why faith is important, of course, four reasons why faith is important, because uh, we're commanded to live by it. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so if you've entered into relationship with God, Everything you do in life, you're supposed to do it by faith. You need to know how to operate then that way. Number two, we know that uh, God operates by faith, and so that's why it's important. Number three, we know that it's impossible to please God without faith. That makes faith really important. And then number four, everything that you receive from God, you access it 
by faith. Faith accesses grace. Amen? So it's really important. But then we, we took time to look beyond why is it important? Why is this an important message? We also looked at what is it? You know, what is faith? You know, when you really break it down, you look at the definition. Faith is a firm persuasion. Somebody say firm persuasion. It's a conviction based upon hearing something. It's that moment where you buy something because you believe that it'll work for whatever it is that you want, right? You were firmly persuaded. You didn't know for sure because you never had it, hadn't tried it. But you see evidence enough that you're persuaded to spend whatever resources to get it. You were convinced by it just based on hearing. In the same way, we are to be firmly persuaded by God. The Bible tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. That means if it looks impossible to us, but God says that it is for you, then it doesn't matter if it looks impossible that you'll never be able to have it. If God said it, come on, you can allow his words to firmly persuade you and believe that even though it doesn't look like it, that you'll have it. Amen. Faith is a firm persuasion. So you can go back and listen to any part of that. Um, but we're in that section on the series that talks about how do you get faith? How do you get faith? How does faith come? We left off two weeks ago, part five. We left off talking about the all too important Romans chapter 10. So go over there with me. In Romans chapter 10, there's a direct statement in verse 17 that could answer the question, how do you get faith? If faith is what I need to overcome the problem. You know, some of us got some real financial problems. We really, the solution right now that we need is money. You know, think about it. You know, you've got certain obstacles in front of you. And man, I mean, for faith family, you know, we need about five or six million dollars right now to be able to buy land and build our own building. Amen. Rather than waiting for one to come available in the right spot, it would be great just to buy land in a good area right here in the northwest part of town and be able to build a building. You know, it seems like the answer to our problem would be a lot of money. Oh, it gets quiet in this church. You know, the Bible says that money answers all things. Think about the problems that you're facing in life right now. How would an extra $100,000 benefit you or your family? Somebody said, that'll solve all my problems right now. <laughs> Amen. Whatever it is or whatever obstacle, you know, and, and particularly in the area of money, you would think that, man, just the money showing up, that's what I need. I need the money, God. You're talking to me about faith. But I need the money, God. Come on, somebody. You don't have any problem. All you need is faith in God, even before the money. How I many of you get it? If you learn it and see it right, the faith will cause the money to come. So which is it that you need? You need faith. Because not, not only when you use your faith to cause the money to show up, now if there's sickness and, and, and disease that shows up, well, you can use your faith. Come on, because you learned how to use your faith where money was concerned. Now you can learn, you can use that same faith that you had in God to come through financially. You can use that same faith to believe that that symptom and that disease will fall off of your body and be no more. And faced with a difficulty in, 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 a, in a family relationship. You know, sometimes people are faced with divorce. You know, they wanted to build their life together with one another. And yet it just seems over a long period of time that this person has changed and they're no more the same. 
if you can use your faith to overcome an obstacle financially, you can use your faith to over... Y'all know where I'm going with this. Let me preach the message. Come on. If you can use your faith to overcome this thing physically where sickness and disease, you can use your faith concerning your marriage and your relationship. You can use your faith concerning your sons and your daughters. You can use your faith concerning your job and your employment. You can use your faith for anything that you need in life. Amen? But how do you get faith, right? Um, there was a guy that, you know, came to Jesus, and his son was sick. <laughs> Jesus asked him, you know, you believe I'm able to do this? He said, now the word believe is the same word faith. It's just a, 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 a different uh, version of it. In the Greek, the word faith is pistis. The word believe is pistio. Same word, just a different ten, uh, uh I didn't do well in English. It's a, it's a different tense of the word, right? Belief, believe, believes, believer, believeth, believing. Same word. Come on, y'all help me, right? This guy, Jesus asked him, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He said, listen, I believe. Now, that word believe means to have faith. He says, I have faith. I am firmly persuaded that you, Jesus, are able to minister to my son and he would be healed. But listen to the rest of it. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Oh, come on. He says, I have faith, but also I'm doubting. I'm persuaded, but I'm not firmly persuaded. And of course, Jesus was able to intervene and help him in that situation. So, so how do you get faith? Faith is what you need. How do you get faith? Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 16. Verse 16, it says this, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, somebody said believe, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out into the world all the world, and their words unto the end of this world. I believe with all my heart, there should have been a question mark at the end of verse 17, not a period. Look at verse 17. If you read it as a statement, it says one thing. But if you read it as a question, it could imply something else. A statement is, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember, that thing that you need is not the money showing up. All you need is faith in God. Well, how do you get it? Well, this verse tells you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a statement. If we take it as a statement of truth, then that means all you have to do is hear from God about your marriage. And that's all you need. It doesn't, have, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. They can look like they're losing their mind. But if you heard from God that this thing is going to turn out to be the right way, that's all you need. You got it. You got faith in God. But it's not automatic. And I submit to you that Paul never intended for this to be ended with a period. It really is a question. You say, how do you know that? Well, if you go back, I don't want you to do it now, but if you go back to verse 14 and read all the way to verse 19, in those six verses from 14 to 19, 
He's asking a series of questions. Somebody say a series of questions. He starts in verse 14 asking three questions in one verse. He continues in 15, 16. We read 16. There's a question there. In 18, there's a question. Lord, have they all not heard? That's another question. Verse 19, there's another question. There are seven questions in six verses. Also understand this. I said it before. This is so important for you to get, and I'm willing to take the time to go over it. In the original language, in the Greek language, there is no punctuation. You'd have to tell by the way it was written, whether it's a question, if it's a statement, if it's a period. The translators, when they translated it from Greek to English in 1611, they added chapters and verses so that I could say turn to Romans 10 and look at verse 17. But when Paul wrote Romans, he just wrote a letter. And when he wrote it in Greek, it did not have punctuation. There was no period here. I submit to you with all my heart that he intended this as a question. Proof of it is in the very next verse. But what if it is a question? Look at verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I just read that as if it were a question. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What am I doing? I'm asking you, do you mean to tell me that the way you get faith is by hearing from God? The next verse, verse number 18, he says, but I say unto you, have they not heard? He's like, yeah, they heard. The sound went out. The voice went in all the earth, but they still didn't get it. You mean to tell me it's possible. When God speaks, that people don't automatically have faith in God. Absolutely, that's the case. I'm going to prove it to you today, again, through the Scripture, but on another level. Amen? So again, it's not inaccurate. It's just incomplete. What do I mean? You can't get faith from God any other way. You have to hear from him. He has, as Jeremiah says, he has to persuade you to believe that though the doctor said that you'll have this for the rest of your life, that by, oh, come on, that by the stripes of Jesus, you will be healed, that you were healed. Amen. Well, if you believe what God says, healing's going to manifest. If you believe what the doctor said, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. Come on. So you cannot get faith from God any other way. You have to be persuaded by God. You have to be convinced based upon something you saw in his word or something you heard in your heart from the spirit of God speaking to you on the inside. Amen. And when God speaks and you accept it, you should have faith in God. Amen. But it's conditional. Somebody say it's conditional. It's not automatic. When God speaks, what should happen is that we hear him, believe him, and obey him. I call that HBO. (laughs) Hear, believe, and obey. I can't wait till we get that t-shirt. Hear, believe, and obey. That's your position as a Christian. Your life and your walk in life, as you go through life, you want to hear from God. What do I do about this job? What do I do about this financial crisis? What do I do about this marriage? What do I do? And you want to position yourself to HBO. Hear from God about it. Believe what he says when he says it. And do what he tells you to do 
obey God. Amen. And you know, when you hear believe and obey God, it's going to result in the blessing. It's going to result in the answer showing up. It's going to result in the thing that you believe for coming to pass. Hallelujah. That's what should happen when God speaks. But it doesn't happen all the time. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Romans chapter 1. What often happens when God speaks, a person can suppress it or a person can reject it or a person can allow other things to make what he says of no effect or make it unproductive. A person can suppress it if you're taking notes. A person can reject what God says. They can suppress what God says. They can reject what God says. Y'all remember back in the day, you know, that they, they talk to, there you go, talk to the hand. Come on, help me. Y'all don't know the rest. Let me take, talk to the hand because the ears ain't listening. Y'all remember that? I hope you've never been in a relationship with somebody. That means stop. Oh, come on. Talk to the hand because the ears ain't listening, Right? A person can reject what God says. And a person can allow other things, other voices. The Bible says there's many voices in the world, none without signification. God can say one thing, but you can have another voice to say something else. And that might be more convincing. You know, pain is the voice of the body. I got one mm, over here. I'll say it again. Pain is the voice of the body. Uh, hunger, you know, hunger pains. Come on. That's your body saying, time to eat. <laughs> right? Or, or I hurt, right? Something wrong is going on. That's the signal, etc. So there are many voices in this world and none without signification. Just because you hear from God doesn't automatically you mean you believe God over other things or other voices. Here's one in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They do what? Suppress the truth. That means to hold it down, to keep it back. You know when something is suppressed. They do what to the truth? Now, what is truth? Now, you don't have your truth and I have my truth. Well, that's your truth. <laughs> my truth. No, let me help you. John seventeen seventeen tells us what truth is. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, not in my notes, but Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Man, are you getting this? He laid the line. He established it. How many of y'all know when God speaks it's truth? It is no lie. Let God be true. Come on. And let everybody else be lie. You're talking about when God speaks? When God speaks, he speaks the truth about the situation. He speaks the truth about life in every circumstance, no matter what it looks like. So when God speaks the truth... People hear that truth, but what if they suppress it? Then they're not convinced by God by it. This verse goes on to say that they have exchanged the truth for a lie. 
Amen? Somebody say, you can suppress it. You know, God could talk to you about your future. Move in your heart for you to believe again to be married. Oh, it gets quiet when I say that. (laughs) But because of whatever hurts or past or how long it's been, you could suppress that. God can speak to you about your marriage to believe again. To believe that it could be better than it is. He could speak to you about believing again to believe for a happy marriage and not just to be married. But you could suppress it and believe that it will never be different than it is. He can talk to you about uh, paying off your house or doing some significant thing financially. What if you suppress it? Oh, I'm preaching good. It means you, if you suppress it, that means you're not firmly persuaded that what he said, he's able to bring to pass. What's the second thing? You can reject it. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, whoo, man, one of my all-time favorite scriptures. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. This is Hosea the prophet. He's speaking on behalf of God. God says, thus saith the Lord, my people, not Hosea's people, God speaking to Hosea to his people. And God says to us, even to this day, my people, that means Christians, born again folks saved and they know the Lord. They are being destroyed. That means they're not succeeding in life or on the job, in the home, in, in financial arenas because of three things. Somebody say three things. Now, most everybody know my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge, but there's actually three things in this one verse. And it could be one or all of these three things. My people are destroyed because of what they don't know, what they reject, and what they forget. Particularly, I want to highlight that you can reject the truth. That means you hear one thing, but say, no, I don't receive that. So you mean to tell me faith comes just simply by hearing and hearing from God himself? Oh, I'm preaching good. That, it, it can't be automatic because people hear from God and reject it. How could they have faith? They've rejected it. Can I give you more? All right. Um, other things, people can cause or allow other things to make the word of God of none effect. Go with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. My pastor, Bishop Butler, loves Mark chapter 4. I love it, too. And for the same good reason, it is powerful as it relates to every one of us as Christians. Um, this is like the grandfather of every parable that Jesus told. You could say his message to them in Mark 4 and Luke 8 and other places where it's the same story, just a different person giving a, uh, the view of it. You could say this is also one of the greatest messages he's ever ministered. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand any other story or illustration that I give you concerning the kingdom of God? This is like the master lock. If you get this one down, then you'll succeed in Christianity because all of his stories are hinged upon this one. And it's actually the message of what happens when God speaks. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is explaining the parable. He says, the sower sows the word. 
Now, before, earlier in Mark chapter 4, he says that he tells the people, there was a massive, massive amount of people, many more than here that, that are here today or online. And he says to the multitudes, he, he, he waxes poetic, there went out a sower to sow. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And as he went, some of the seed fell by the wayside. The birds came and ate it. Some of the seed fell on the pathway, the rocky places, and it couldn't grow like it should. And then uh, other of the seed fell upon stony ground. It was some dirt, some stone, but it suffered. But then some seed fell on good ground, and it produced a bumper crop. And the disciples came to him, and they're like, what are you talking about, farming? <laughs> Jesus was like, no, I'm telling them the, the mystery. Jesus said, I'm telling the people the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how the kingdom works. So if you're going to be a Christian, you need to understand this story about farming, even though you might never farm. (laughs) Amen. So in verse 14, he had pulled aside with his disciples and they asked him, what does this mean? He said, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell everybody. But then he read it. He wrote it for us. Amen. So that he that have ears to hear will have, you know, can hear. Amen. He says, the sower went out to sow. The sower sows the word. Somebody say, the seed is the word. Now, what word are we talking about? The word of God. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 11, same story, but it's Luke's version of what he heard. When Luke tells the story at this exact same point, Jesus said, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Word of God? Whose word? Somebody say God's word. Y'all remember, run whose house? Run's house. Oh, y'all got to help me. Just keep praying for me. And then Pastor, why are you wearing white shoes like that? That's from back in the day. Amen. <laughs> hey, what? Hey, up one. Whose word is it? It's God's word. So when the sower is out there sowing, he's not just throwing his seed. He's not just uh, the sower that Jesus is referring to is scattering the word of God. He's speaking what God is saying. He's saying what God is saying. He's sowing what God is saying. But what happens when God speaks? Some of it is heard but falls on deaf ears. Let's get back into the story. Look at verse number 15 in Mark chapter 4. Are we doing good today? Seems like a really good message. Amen. I I believe it's coming out good. All right. Verse 15. He said, the sower sows the word. Talking about the seed of the word of God. God speaking. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word or the word of God is sown. When they hear, which indicates the sower is sowing something that could be heard, Right? It's the word of God. When the people hear the word of God, what happens? Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Did the people hear it? Yes. Did the people hear the word of God? Yes. Did people hear from God? Yes. But what happened? They heard it and Satan came to take it away. Immediately. It didn't benefit them at all. It was like in one ear. Oh, this is the definition. Come on. This is the <laughs> Oh, I hope that don't happen with my preaching. Amen. Where it went in one it went in one ear and out the other. 
they heard from God about their problem, but it went in one ear and out the other. Bitten fitted them, not at all. Here's the second group. These are likewise, verse 16, of the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, did they hear it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Well, it depends, right? What if you suppress it? What if you reject it? Or what if you allow other things to make what you hear ineffective or unproductive? Doesn't mean you have faith then. They heard it, but immediately they received it with gladness. They were excited about it. And they had no root in themselves, and they endured for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they do what? Stumble. How many of y'all know when a football player stumbles and fumbles? Come on. He lets it go. And that's what happened with them. They received it. They heard it. They believed that God could turn things around on the job, turn things around in the marriage, turn things around for them financially. But then some pressure came. Come on. There's some affliction came. And they were like, man, God, where you at? They endured. Oh, help me for a time. But faith works by patience. And they ran out of patience. Come on. And they separated separated themselves from what God said, they let it go. And then lastly, these are the ones, or this third group, now these, verse 18, are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Does he need to keep emphasizing hearing, hearing, hearing? He's showing us that faith comes by hearing it, but it goes beyond. You've got to accept his truth what you Here's an example. These are they are the ones that are sown amongst thorns, such as when they hear the word, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the care and the desires of other things. Somebody say other things. Entering in, choke the word. They did what to the word of God? They choke. Uh, <laughs> come up here for a minute, man. This is my right hand man. I'm gonna choke you, man. <laughs> you stand right here. They did what? I'm going to see if I get it right. Like they, <laughs> they did what to the word of God? Choke the word. Thank you so much. Y'all give them a hand clap. <laughs> and, and sometimes figuratively, God spoke to you about the very thing that you needed to hear from God about. But because you got other things happening and going on, You got the word of God choked. Oh, man. You're trying to choke out the word of God. And look at what happens. It choked the word, and it becomes what? Unfruitful. It don't produce what it was designed to produce. And then lastly, these are the ones on good ground. Somebody say, I am good ground. These are the ones on good ground, sown on good ground. Those who have heard the word. That's the fourth time that we see it comes by hearing. They heard the word. They accepted. Oh, that's the answer right there. They didn't reject it. They didn't suppress it. They didn't let other things in there and choke it out. They accepted it. Somebody say accepted. They accepted and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Depends on what you do with it. If you suppress it, reject it, and allow other things to choke it, then it won't produce. But if you accept it as true, 
then you'll be firmly persuaded that what God promised you will come to pass. God promised us, Faith Family Church, that when we sow a seed, give it time, it will produce a harvest. For that, I say thank you, Lord, for our new building. I thank you, Lord, for our own facility. I thank you, Lord, for the property being paid for. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to set up and break down. Thank you, Lord, you have already given us facilities and lands and equipment to the glory of your name. Hallelujah. I got one or two or a few. Anybody else in agreement with me? Doesn't matter what it looks like. And I'm not going to get frustrated along the way. I'm going to hold it until it manifests. Amen. Can you all take a little bit more? Amen. Mark 7, 13 tells us that they were making the word of God. Whose word? God's word. They were making the word of God of no effect through their tradition, which they had handed down, and many such things. Other things that you do to make the word of God in your life ineffective. So again, these things can make what happens. So what should happen when God speaks is that we should hear it, believe it, and obey it. But what often happens in your life and even in my life is that we suppress it, we reject it, or we allow other things to make God's word of no effect. Or as Mark 4 said, God's word unproductive in our lives. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. The biggest problem on the planet is people won't listen. Brother Keith Moore made that statement, I think the same day that I preached here in July, July 9th, two weeks ago. I was listening to his message um, on Monday, July 10th, and he said this, and I've heard him say it before, but it just rings aloud. The biggest, pre- the biggest problem on the planet is people won't listen. God's got the solution to every problem humanity has ever faced. But you know what the problem is? Come on. He knows how to solve every war, every conflict, every situation, every financial, every physical, every environmental. He has the answers. You know what the problem is? People won't listen to God. He knows the solution in your marriage. He knows the, the solution in your body. He knows the solution to where you're at financially. He knows what's going on with your children. But you know what the problem is? Won't listen. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was faced with a very interesting scenario. In verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came, he said, came to him, the tempter said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm going to end here where I'm going to pick up there next week. This is phenomenal. Jesus said to Satan, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what? Proceed out of the mouth of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't understand what Jesus is saying here. So many people, by the millions, live their lives by bread alone. Their ear isn't bent to the voice of our God to find out how to live. They think that, you know, in order for me to live, I've got to eat. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. It's beyond that. You have to live off of every word that come out of God's mouth. Every decision you make should be made by directive from God. Every place you go, everything that you do should be guided and directed with you hearing from him and obeying what he says. Uh, you can play something softly for me. Uh, I'm just landing the plane. I got so stirred up by this. Can I just introduce it to you and then we'll pick up here next week? If you can come back, we'd love for you, especially if you're online. Come on in. We're going to have brisket and a lot of good stuff next week. It'd be a good time to come to church. Jesus went into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God. I don't know if you've ever done any fasting. With fasting comes along praying. Moses had gone up and spent time with God, similarly, 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know if Jesus intended to go all 40 days, but I imagine that he went into a place to hear from God. What do you do when you need to hear from God, want to hear from God? Try to get away into a place, but then the devil shows up. (laughs) He went to go hear from God, and his enemy showed up. What do you do? When you need to hear from God, want to hear from God, and it's almost like you're not hearing from God. God, I need you to talk to me about this situation. I've been patient. I've been believing. I've been holding, and and, and I'm just consecrating myself. God, I, I need an answer. I need direction. Help me, God. Did a voice come to the Lord Jesus at that time? No. Another day goes by. Another week goes by. This is like six weeks, 40 days. It's a lot. But sure enough, he got to the place after 40 days. His body is like at the brink of starvation. You know, the human body can only go so long without food, right? We can't imagine unless you've ever been there and gone without food or sustenance for that long. It's at the point where his life depends on him getting something to eat. I'm setting that up because you might figuratively feel like you're at the brink of death. That's what divorce is. It's the death of a marriage. And you may feel like you're facing death. And then your enemy comes. Now, I I submit to you that when the enemy comes against you, 
it's, it's got to be the same way when he comes against Jesus in this wilderness. Satan often doesn't show up with a red suit, a tail, and a pitchfork. Come on, man. If I knew that that was the devil, I would have never went. Come on, y'all would have helped me. <laughs> I thought that that was, you know, the devil said, the, the Bible said that, the, that, the, that uh, evil spirits can transform themselves into an angel that looks like light, but they'd be the wrong, you know. You thought that you're hearing from God about a situation. I submit to you, I don't believe he just immediately knew that it would say, I, you know, have you ever had a thought come to you that was a wrong thought? Come on, come on. And what is it designed to do? Tempt you to do something that you ain't supposed to do? talking to you right now about what do you do when you're set to seek God and your enemy shows up. Here's choke. Somebody, I love it, Lee. He said, choke that thought. <laughs> I mean, if y'all know, you ought to get on that one. And Jesus did in a moment. I'll show you. Starving at the brink of quitting, throwing in the towel. I'm about to lose it. I'm done. And at that moment, the enemy says, if you're the son of God, he already knows that. You all do know that in Matthew chapter 3, he was baptized in the water by John, came up out of the water. Now, when he came up out of the water, the Bible said that the heaven opened. I don't know what that looked like. Hey, I don't know if the, the clouds kind of separated. Come on, it's probably a little bit deeper than that. The heavens opened, and the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came down. Oh, come on. I don't know if this is like some gleaming, glistening, bright light. I know it wasn't a bird, but it was like a soft, swooping dove. The Holy Spirit came on Jesus. He was there. It came on him. And then on top of that, he heard a sound from heaven. Oh, you talk about what happens when God speaks. It's like thunder. Y'all want me to quit? I thought I, it feels like I'm in an anointing. Y'all listening good? I'm not boring you, right? We're talking about what, what happens when God speaks. God speaks out of heaven. This rarely happens. You look at times in the Bible when you, you have, have a moment like this. Surely the Bible says that God speaks. He says, this, if you are the son of God. Ain't no doubt in his mind. If he believes what he heard. Come on. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. It was from that water baptism that Jesus went into the wilderness, led by the Holy Ghost. And the devil tempted him. He's on the brink of dying, thinking like, God, I need you to show up. And sure enough, this thought comes, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you just... You the son of God? <laughs> oh, y'all! <laughs> you the son of God? Now you. This is the same Jesus who, when he was teaching his disciples about having faith in God, he turned to a mountain and said, "Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he said." 
Jesus believes that you can speak to it in a mountain and it'll obey you. Come on, help me now. He believes that you can speak to a mountain and it'll obey you. And the thought comes, you the son of God, you hungry, you about to die up here, Jesus. <laughs> you, you won't have enough to make it back. You the son of God, make this stone. What's a mountain made out of? Stone. Literally, same element. Command it. That's with words. That's what he said to do at the moon. Am I preaching good? Holy Spirit showed me this morning. It just went off on me. I'm, like I said, I'm done. He's playing the soft music. Amen. <laughs> that means I'm done. But I just want to ponder this because what do you do when you need to hear from God and you're at that point of giving up and throwing in the towel and you've got a tempter coming saying something to you that could be a solution? to your problem, but there's a problem with it. It's not what God said. And that's how he choked that thought out. He answered and said, look at verse 4, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered Satan, and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread but by every word that comes from God. He answered it with what God had already told him. He didn't need God to show up and tell him something different now. He just went back to the last thing God said, and he stuck with it. And that's where I'm going to pick up next week. I encourage you, hold on to what he's already told you. I know you need to hear from God in this situation about what to do. Your life depends on it. Take it to heart just as Jesus took it. That our lives aren't about the consumption of food. But our lives should be lived by faith based on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did y'all get anything good out of the word of God today? Amen. Stand up on your feet as we get ready to pray. Get ready to go. Uh, this truly was a really anointed service. You don't want to miss next week. Uh, we just pick right up where we left off, and um, it's really next level. It's taken me now two weeks just to get to the main message about what happens when God speaks. Amen? But we're taking our time. Lift up your hands. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. If you pray this from your heart, God will save you right where you stand, right where you are. All of us that have made Christ our Lord and Savior have prayed this way. And we encourage you to do this if you've never done it. So whether in person or online, if you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, you want to rededicate your life to him, if, you, if you've gotten into sin and you want to repent of your sins. This is the moment. Mean this from your heart. I'm going to ask all of our congregation to pray this out loud. They will be affirming their faith, but you pray it as it were for the first time and God will do what he promised. Say this out loud. God in heaven, I come to you today to give you my life. I do believe that Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. He died for me, bearing my sins for me. They put him in a grave, 
but I believe you raised him from the dead. Come in my heart. Save me from my sin. Lord, I repent for all my sins. The things I've said, things I've done, places I've gone, things I've seen that are not pleasing in your sight. And I ask your forgiveness. And I thank you by faith for forgiving me, for saving me, and making heaven my home. Thank you, Lord. I'm saved. Now give me the Holy Spirit to live in me and show me the way of victory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for those that prayed and waited for the first time. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Did we have a tremendous time in service today? You know, I want to thank uh, Angel. Uh, she's our worship leader. Um, she was, uh, the doctor said that she had the symptoms of severe uh, a, a throat issue. And, um, you know, I didn't know for sure what we were going to do. I thought maybe I was going to have to leave praise and worship, man. Oh, thank you, Lord. So can I just, so I just want to publicly say thank God for his healing virtue. Didn't she do a tremendous job in spite of being attacked in her body? Thank you, Angel, for making it out. And may the Lord's blessing be upon you and strengthen you this week in Jesus' name. You don't want to miss next week. Next week is our Family and Friends Day, 10.30 a.m. We're going to stay to about 1.30 p.m., take about an hour after church to have lunch. It is all free of charge, and it will bless your life. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, and we're going to have a great time in God. Amen. Lift up one hand towards heaven. That's where your help comes from as I speak this blessing upon you. May the Lord bless you and increase you and make his face shine upon you. May the Lord uh, lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace and tranquility in heart and mind. Be blessed, Faith Family Church. Amen. Amen. God bless you.